An interview with Eric Borba, head baseball coach at Orange Lutheran High School in Orange, California. Today, on the Ultimate Ground Rules. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules, a podcast built specifically to encourage, empower, and strengthen the faith of coaches as they live out their God-given purpose to develop the next generation of leaders. And now, your host, Dave Pritchard. Hello and welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules. I am your host, Dave Pritchard. Thanks for joining the show today, and please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe the podcast. I invite you to also leave us a review in order that we can better reach our goal of encouraging as many coaches as possible. Recently, I sat down with Eric Borba, head baseball coach at Orange Lutheran High School in California, as he discussed his views on faith and coaching, as well as the importance of preparing each player for that next phase of life. He shares plenty of wisdom, so I invite you to grab a pen and paper as the Ultimate Ground Rules presents to you Coach Eric Borba. Coach, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dave. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so as we get started here, just uh, provide our guys with some information about Orange Lutheran. Yeah, so Orange Lutheran's a co-ed Lutheran high school in Orange, California. It's about three miles from Anaheim Stadium, if you're not familiar with California. Uh, We compete in baseball at the highest level. It's CIF Division I. California is broken up into eight sections, so we don't really have a state championship because it's so big and it would take so long. Um, but, but we're the biggest section of the eight, um, and there's eight divisions in our section alone. So, um, yeah, we played Division One. We started – we were uh, first opened in 1973. We had about 200 students. Some Lutheran pastors and family members uh, decided to start the school, and we've been growing ever since about the year – 1999, 2000 is really when we started booming, and we've grown from from roughly about 400 at the turn of the century to now we're at 1,375, basically. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So how many kids do you uh, have in your program? So right now we have 75 kids in our program. Uh, we usually start with about 90 in the fall and, uh, you know, the, weed it down a little bit, and we run – we run four teams in our program. We try to really develop, and especially today's day and age, when you have the 16-year-old freshman and you have the 14-year-old freshman, there's a huge maturity, maturity difference there. So we try to create some opportunities for those kids that maybe aren't there physically but have some baseball you know, fundamentals. We want to give them that opportunity, even though they might not be able to compete with some of the older and more mature guys that come in as freshmen. So that fourth team we created really gives us – gives us the ability to, to really develop and, and grow kids through our program, which is nice. That is, that is cool. Um, you ever feel like you have a hard time managing all those players? You know, you got to have a good support staff. I mean, I'm always, you know, looking for coaches. I've been fortunate to have five or six guys in my program pretty much since it started. Um, and then always trying to have a good support staff. I think that you know, it gets easier year by year managing that. And when you have those guys underneath you that kind of know what your philosophies are and how you want to go about it, it makes it a lot easier. But yeah, it can, it can definitely be a struggle, especially when you're dealing with that many families and, and you know, people coming from different 
different backgrounds and different beliefs, different travel ball programs. There's a lot of, a lot of diversity, um, you know, in baseball experience and, and those kinds of things. So it makes it difficult, but again, I think the opportunity to just be part of our program and, and, you know, grow in their Christian character while they're playing baseball is quite an opportunity for us. So it's really a blessing. Yeah. That's really cool uh, to be able to, I guess, have a little more freedom than a public school. Right. uh, To do some things there. I know also with uh, alongside of your work at Orange Lutheran, you've had the opportunity to be involved with USA baseball. Uh, Just kind of give us a quick idea. What's it like to put that USA jersey on and be a part of that? You know, there's, there's really no words that can describe it. Um, as a coach, you know, I think that's coaching at the highest level. When you get to put those three letters across your, your chest and go compete against other countries and they're trying to take something from you and baseball is known as America's pastime, it's kind of our game. And, and uh, you know, it's unbelievable. I actually got teary-eyed the first time I wore that uniform and heard the national national anthem played down in Mexico in 2014. It's just uh, – there's, I don't think there's anything bigger in your coaching career. You know, I've won championships and been a part of special teams, but just just doing that, I think, was the ultimate accomplishment, and and being able to represent the country was was just amazing, and and times that I'll never forget. That's that's super cool. I know that you have been involved with the twelve year olds, and one question that I, I was really interested in, in asking you was. I know with my own personal experience, son, it's nowhere near uh, USA Baseball, but I've got – my oldest son is just turned nine. And so last year, uh, you know, it was the first time that we got to do the whole all-star thing. And so I got an opportunity to just be a dad and and watch those eight-year-olds play. And it was quite refreshing for me. And uh, just to see, I guess, their love of the game and how it was just – there was it was just pure – is the best way I can describe it. And so one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, what are some things that you learned from, from those 12 year olds that, uh, you know, that you could bring back and apply to your high school program? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of twofold. You know, I, when I first got asked to coach the 12 year olds, I was a little hesitant um, in working with that age group. Obviously the opportunity to, to step into USA baseball at any level was, was just something I really looked forward to and a true blessing. So I wasn't going to turn it down, but I definitely had a lot of questions going into it, working with 12-year-olds, because I had, I had purposely and intentionally stayed away from coaching my son when he was younger, right. and those younger age groups because of the difference level. But when I, got, when I got the opportunity to get out there in 2013 and see those 12-year-olds, number one, they were very advanced for 12-year-olds, obviously, playing at the highest level in the country. Um, but you're exactly right. I mean, they hadn't been... Um, you know, disrupted with all the negative things in the game that, that can happen when you get older. They're still playing it for the pure joy of it and absolutely love it. And sometimes it becomes so, uh, you know, business oriented, if you will, so much uh, college scholarship or professional driven that sometimes we lose that love and, and care for the game. And the reason why we all got started when we were four or five years old and, and being around those kids was just refreshing. Yeah, I, th- I think the one thing that I took from watching the younger age group was you know, just a reminder to me that, you know, we got we got to make sure as coaches that we make this fun uh, with all the pressures from, you know, parents and, you know, whether a kid is, is actually good enough or not, most of them have an idea if they really like to play that, you know, I'd like to play at college. So there's some, some pressure they put on themselves there. And, uh, you know, no, I don't think anybody – sets out to not make it fun but I think at the same time we can we can fail to I guess make an intentional effort to make it fun 
without a doubt, I've spoken at several little leagues and youth leagues to coaches and they always ask kind of what success is at those, what they should be looking for as a coach at the end of the year for success. And my, my thing to them is that the kids want to play again, you know, that means they enjoyed their time out there. I think we're losing a lot of our youth um, through the different avenues that we have now and, and, and making it fun is really the true testament of a good youth coach, obviously the skill development and teaching the baseball aspects, but if they don't make it fun for the kids, we're losing them at a young age and it's just, it's killing our game in the big picture. So um, that should be the ultimate testament is, is the joy of the game because it, it ultimately shapes these kids for life. And uh, you know, they've got to enjoy what they're doing. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, so coach, one thing that we do on this show is we try to fuse faith and, and just the role of a coach and the job of a coach. And, you know, one of the reasons I, I started this podcast was just to try to encourage coaches you know, in their faith. And so one question that I, that I ask everybody is, is how has faith shaped you as a coach? I'll tell you, it's, it's the, the whole shape, uh, basically everything. The reason I am where I am is because of my faith. And, my, you know, my testimony revolves around baseball and, and how I got into coaching and, and how I ended up at Orange Lutheran is all God driven. And I know that he's steering my ship and, you know, everything from decisions I make, in how to handle a discipline issue, how I treat kids, um, the morals and, and ethics just in, you know, pursuing players, if you will. Uh, we're not allowed to recruit, but, you know, there's so many times that we're challenged in our faith as a coach. Um, and especially with the pressures of winning and having a successful program that, that you know, I, I just try to keep all of those foundations that, that, that I learned and have grown and, you know, the spiritual things that I've been a part of, um, that just leads me in every decision that I make. And, and as cliche as it sounds, the whole, what would Jesus do is always at the forefront of my mind when I got to make a difficult decision, you know, whether it be with personnel or, or game decisions, whatever it might be. And, and every decision I make, I want to, I want to be the, the, the Christian man that comes home, looks in the mirror and knows that, that, you know, I've acted in, in a Christian like manner and everything that I've done. And if I can do that, win or loss, I'm coming home with a happy, you know, with a smile on my face and, and that's going to bring me enjoyment. So, um, I just think, I just think there's so many different elements of Christian growth that go side by side with baseball, not only as a coach, but for our players and having the opportunity to, to mix, you know, care, Christian character development with baseball is like, two of my favorite things in the world, if you will. So having the opportunity to get paid to do those two things at the same time is unlike anything else. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't really work. No, exactly. I don't even call it work. I go to school every day. You know? uh, so who would you consider to be some of your mentors? Do you think back, you know, both from a coaching aspect, then maybe just from a spiritual aspect growing up, who, who would you consider to be some of your mentors and what are some of the things that you know, were real foundational that they taught you? Yeah, well, I think it starts. There's so many of them. I could go on forever. It starts with my father. You know, my my father only played high school ball, never went to college, but he spent his his days coaching me growing up. And uh, through little league, we he developed a really good sh friendship with Mike Sweeney, whose son ended up being a five time All Star with the Kansas City Royals. And Mike was a minor league player that um, was a devout devout Catholic. Uh, we went to church together growing up, and and Big Mike uh, actually gave up his minor league opportunity, his professional baseball career, 
uh, to pursue his relationship and build a family with his wife. And, uh, you know, gave that up and the ultimate sacrifice, you know, of family because of his Christian faith. And he felt God was pulling him somewhere else. So right away when I was, shoot, that probably started when I was seven or eight years old. Um, I think a lot of the in game and, and just uh, Christian, you know, aspects that I learned were, were based upon my dad and, and Mike Sweeney. I would go to practice and we'd end up going to the Sweeney's house and we'd sit there till, I don't know, late hours in the evening, just talking baseball and talking faith and, you know, just really grew up with sound Christian, um, you know, with us in a sound Christian family. And, and that was always at the forefront. So I was blessed, you know, with those guys as being my role models young. And then I went to Damien high school, um, which is a Catholic all boys school here in Southern California. So faith and baseball went hand in hand. And there through that time, I had four different coaches in my, in my high school career, but my my sophomore year, we had a couple of young coaches that really just understood it, and and they were mentors to me, Jeff Cecil and Ron Hall. I still keep in touch with Ron Hall uh, quite a bit. And then I went and, and had the opportunity to play at Sonoma State D2 ball in Northern California, and I played for an unbelievable Christian man there, uh, John Geltz, who's been at the school for over 30 years, has 1,000 wins in Division II. And, uh, you know, he didn't he, – he had been going through a divorce when I was coaching with him after I got done playing, and just a very sound Christian guy that, that really kept me grounded through both successes and failures through baseball. And I would say those are the main guys. I think once I've gotten into coaching, there's a lot of coaches throughout the country that I, that I've had the privilege to work with from all the guys at USA. And I know we talked about some of them before we started this podcast, but there's just some amazing people that I've been blessed to come in contact with through this game. It's amazing. The fraternity and the people, and the coaches that we interact with, and, and I'm on a uh, video chat, you know, right now with with 11 other coaches from across the country, and we're on that thing, you know, every day talking about how we can be better and do better things in our programs and with our kids and help develop them. So, I think it's bits and pieces for me. I, I really live by the motto that if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room, and so I try to take a little bit from every person that I that I'm around. But I'd say those five or six names that I gave you are kind of the, the the main guys I looked up to and learned a lot of my my coaching and my spirituality from. That's cool. Yeah, it's unbelievable if you stop and think. And I, I wouldn't consider myself an old man <laughs> by any stretch. But if you stop and think, just just even in the last ten years, the technology, you know, the ability, like you said, with that video chat to, to do the things that we can do. If you're you know, if there's any young coaches listening, if you're not taking advantage of that, you're you're really missing the boat. Without a doubt, you got to stay ahead of the curve, and the game's changing. The the families we're working with are changing, and always just trying to stay ahead. And you know, talking to people that have been there and gone through experiences and had successes and failures, you can learn so much from. So I encourage it. You know, I go to the ABCA convention every year, and always looking just to get more knowledge. Absolutely. Uh, you talked about you know your dad being. Uh, primary influence and and that just caused me to think about I'm sure it's something that you're seeing a lot of I mean I see a lot of guys that that don't have a dad um and a lot of a lot I would say the majority of my players or at least half are, are from a split home and you know some don't know mom some don't know dad some split time you know three days here three days there uh you know when you think about all those situations and you kind of think about you know the mentors that you had and the things that they provided for you what do you think that players in, in 2019 need most from a coach? I, I think it's, it's 
support in all areas, to be honest with you. There's, there's really uh, a strong need for these guys, again, to stay, these young kids, um, you know, to understand the big picture in life. And, and they, they focus on sports or, or some activity, activity at such a young age, and, and they don't understand how to deal with failure. And, and they're not ready to step out in the real world. So I think as a coach, especially at the high school level, we can have such an impact on helping these guys to, to, to prepare them for life in the big picture, but more importantly, to help them to deal with all the failure that happens in the game of baseball. It's, you know, it's failure everywhere we go. And, and, and there's failure in life. We were all created sinners and, and, you know, how to, how to bounce back from those things, how to learn from, from adversity. And, and for a coach, I think helping kids to understand that and then, you know, plan for something bigger than themselves because it's such a self-driven society now in, in all of these, you know, rankings and things that happen with kids and social media. And, you know, it's all about who's accomplished what, and it's almost a profile rather than these kids being grounded and understanding it's about who they are as young men, uh, you know, young men in our case, young men and women overall, but, but really who are they? How are they going to be remembered? And, and, keeping them grounded and understanding those things and having opportunities to do devotions to talk about those things is, is really the most important part for me. Um, we try to, we try to step away from baseball as much as we can. And, and when we are in baseball, we try to use those examples and experiences in baseball to, to relate them to real life problems and, and, and experiences that we might go through. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, I have felt a burden personally, probably for the last three or four years, especially, you know, I try to tell my players almost on a daily basis that, you know, there's a lot more in your life that's more important than baseball. Without a doubt. You know, we're, we want to win and we're going to get after it. We're going to do things the right way. But, uh, you know, this is not who you are. It's part of who you are. Right. I think that, issues is combined a lot with what you're talking about in terms of I can't handle failure. You know, when I wrap my identity up in, and this is all I am, when I don't succeed at it, there, then you, there's a crisis. Without a doubt. You know, going back to that group chat of Butch Chaffin, who's actually in Tennessee at Cookville, uh, just did a really cool demonstration for all of us on our group chat last week. And he, and he laid down a rope. I guess he does this with his players and, and I'm using that with my guys this week, but uh, he laid down a big, long white rope and he actually put black electrical tape around a small portion of it. And that portion represented their their baseball career. And to see how much more was involved in their life than just their baseball career really put it into perspective. And, and I think it's a good visual aid for these young guys to see like, hey, this is just a, a very small part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as crazy as this sounds, I, I think you'll agree with me. I think part of our job, too, even in the limited opportunity that we have, is to convey that message to parents, too, because I think it's a parent problem as much as it's a kid problem. No question. No question. In this generation, the parents are so involved in their kids, and, and you know they, they want to provide a platform for them to be successful. They're heavily involved. So in our program, our parents are a big part of what we do. You know, I, I've really focused my time not on excluding the parents, but including them with boundaries, you know, and developing those relationships because ultimately for each kid to reach his, his you know, ultimate plateau, if you will, reach his ceiling, if you will, 
the parent and the coach, they're, they're going to be the two most influential people in their life. And if they're not working together, that kid's not going to reach his potential. Absolutely. So, so really, really establishing those relationships with the parents are, are huge for me in our program. We get them involved in our program, right? When they step in the door as freshmen and we do a lot of activities in our program to try to keep them involved and, it is the you know communication with them is just as as important as it is with the with the players. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, for young guys that are listening, uh, you know that's a key. I think communication is is a big key in avoiding you know some of the bigger problems. You know, you can head those off. I think uh, with with some good communication. Without a doubt. And if the parents are, you know, if they respect you and know who you are as a person and that your decisions are being made with sound Christian character and morals and values, then they're going to trust that you're going to make the right decisions to help them prepare their child. Right. So uh, here, here's an interesting question for you. When, you. when you think about what you're doing there at Orange Lutheran and you're, you know, you talked about that limited time span of a player in high school. So you got that four year window. When you get a guy in as a freshman, he runs through your program. He's walking across the stage, getting his diploma. What do you want that kid to, to look like? What do, you, what do you want to have accomplished in those four years? I think I want that kid to be ready to step into that next chapter, if you will. And that means being able to handle adversity, being able to go, um, you know, be a Christian role model at whatever it is he does that in that next chapter, whether it's going to college to play ball or professional, the professional level to play ball, or if it's stepping away from the game and, and going right into the workforce, whatever it might be that they've learned um, some valuable tools or they've gotten some valuable tools through our program that are going to help them be successful in anything that they may face in the future. That, that ultimately to me is, is what we're hoping for. Um, we're hoping that they look back at the previous four years, knowing that their that experience prepared them for, for the future, that, that they can turn back to those experiences. Maybe it was something that happened with a teammate, maybe another coach, whatever it was, where something went, went on in those four years, there's so much that takes place in that four year from developing, you know, from a maturity standpoint, point that, that they can refer back to those times and, and, and also understanding that. You know, that picture, again, playing for something bigger, being part of a team, understanding that there's a support system around them and being able to rely on other people's, but more importantly, to be somebody people can rely on. Absolutely. Uh, so what are what do you think are some things you do at Orange Lutheran that maybe are unique or a little bit different? I know a lot of guys listening are constantly looking for ideas that they can, you know, they can make their own. What are What are some things that you do at Orange Lutheran? that, uh, you know, maybe you think are unique that, that help you get to that point with the kid. I think it's, I think it's really the off field stuff that we do. And, and I've done a lot of different activities in my time, in my 11 years at Orange Lutheran, we've done a lot of different things, but I think the things that have been constant that are, that are kind of separators is, is we find time to do devotions, um, regularly, whether it's once a week or, once every couple of weeks, you know, during season, it gets a little bit tougher. Um, we really um, turn to the word and we, we, every year we pick core values for our team and we help have the seniors um, develop those core values. And then we find scripture that, that goes hand in hand with those. And we talk about, our seniors will get up and do a devotion and they'll talk about 
you know, some experience in their life where this, this value has come into play. And, and I think that's one thing that we do quite frequently. I can go into more depth on that if you'd like, but, you know, just getting these guys again in, in the word and, and talking about life experiences is huge for us. We do, we do team retreats. Um, every year we try to do something different. We've, we don't do it every year because of financial reasons and whatnot, but we like to go up about an hour, hour and a half from here is Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear and there's snow up there in the winter. We'll go up there and get cabins and we do a ropes course. And then at night we're doing devotions and we're just talking about life. We have, we try to do a lot of different activities where kids are just getting to know each other off the field. Um, we did a really cool activity, actually another one that I learned in that group chat, but just last week we sat the group down and we had them all talk about their biggest fear. Mm. Um, and then, and then we turned around and said, who's your hero and why? And each of them described their hero in their personal life. A lot of them, it was their fathers, or maybe it was a coach or, you know, somebody that's had a huge impact on them, but, but they talked about why they were their heroes and they got to see kind of the common ground of all the qualities that their heroes had that, that really helps them to understand, you know, again, it's not baseball related that they're loyal and trustworthy and, you know, put others first and all those things that come into play. Um, so that's, that's huge with us. Um, we also get involved in a, in a numerous community, um, events. We every year, uh, take huge pride in, in the buddy walk, which is, a I don't know if you guys have it in Tennessee, but it's a, it's a fundraising day at Anaheim stadium for, for adolescents with down syndrome. We had a, a young man at our school that had down syndrome and, and his mom kind of headed up that organization and uh we've done that every year it takes place in november and all our players go and serve there and uh you know i think for us our kids are a lot of our kids that i work with um you know are kind of raised in a bubble if you will and and they don't get to see all the other things they're they're grown up and for the most part our, our players i'm a little different than you our players you know i think i only have two kids in my in my on my varsity team that that don't have both parents at home two or three, you know? So, so our kids have been, been raised in, in families that don't always exist anymore. And then they get out in the real world and they're faced with these things that they have no idea how to handle them. So again, getting our kids to, to just find ways to give back and, and play for a bigger cause than, than themselves. Anything that I can do, any activity that I can do to help develop that. Um, I, I'm, I'm always in, we've had, you know, people from the military come speak to us. We've done uh, dragon boat races where they got to row together and understand teamwork. And the more of those things that we can bring into it, I think, I think the better uh, equipped our guys are to be successful, you know, citizens. Yeah. And I, I think too, I, I think you would agree, you know, I, everybody, every coach knows that the, that the teams that they've had that play the best are the tightest. Without a yeah, and so I, I would encourage any coach out there to, if I've learned one thing, and this has been my 18th year of coaching high school baseball, and if I've learned anything, it's not to assume anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no question. Yeah. No question. I'll tell you, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be part of three CIF championships in, in California, and, and I don't think – well, one year, I think, was a team that we actually thought we had the best team that we had had. Um, but the other two, the expectation wasn't 
wasn't that we were going to win at all. We were hoping to be there at the end, but there's been plenty of years where we went in as the favorite. You know, there's been a couple years at Orange Luthan where we've been number one in the country and don't end up there because the teams aren't always the tightest. And actually those, those teams have been the most difficult at times. And I think at the high school level, you hit it on the nose when you said the tightest teams have success and, and (laughs) there's no level that's, that's more prevalent than, than in high school sports, if you ask me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that you can assume that your guys know each other. You know, you think that, well, they've grown up in this community and they've played together, but that they really know each other. You know, when, when you, it's pretty cool. You're talking about guys, you know, what's your biggest fear. And when you get them vulnerable and guys get to really know who they're playing with. Right. And when they really know that, you know, just their ability or their willingness to really sell out, I think it grows exponentially. Without question. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So that's, that's some really cool stuff there. Uh, just you as a coach, Individually, you know, you're talking about devotions and, and getting in the word. What is what are some scriptures that you really cling to, uh, you know, in your in your job? Yeah, I have two that I often refer to um, that 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 are kind of my rock, if you will. Um, and the first one's Matthew seven twenty five. Um, you know, it, it it states and and don't quote me word for word because I don't have it in front of me. But basically, you know, through the rain, there's there's different things that happen. You're always challenged weather-wise, basically. The winds beat up against your house and the rain comes and there's flooding and everything else, but it won't collapse because it's built on bedrocks. And I think that as a coach and in baseball, again, just dealing with the adversity that 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 we deal with, we want to be sound, solid, you know, rocks. And we do another experiment where you're either a marshmallow, you're a jelly bean, or you're a rock. And we want to be rocks. And I think that scripture really sums it up in, in how we can be a rock, you know, and that, and that the different things that come at you, whether it's what people say or negative things that happen in life, that, that we're going to stand through them and that, and that God doesn't put anything on our plate that we can't handle. So that's, that's kind of my first and foremost one. And then my other one is just first uh, Corinthians nine, 24 and 25, uh, you know, that basically all runners run a race, but we run the race to, to win the eternal crown. It's not just for the actual winning the race. It's it's for eternal life in heaven. And uh, you know when we're when we're at the gates, <laughs> you know what's that what's that answer going to be? What's what's going to be told to us, or what are we going to be able to represent? And and in that eternal life that we're searching for daily. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Just you know, just that idea of of staying grounded. You know, if you can put that in front of you every day, just you know, what am I really trying to accomplish? Right. That, that's good. One question that I like to ask guys, um, you know, because it's really, I think the temptation is there, especially for a lot of young coaches, you know, to think, you know, there's a better job out there where I don't have to deal with this problem or that problem. And, you know, the reality is that we all deal with the same problems. Um, you know, and a lot of times I, you could speak to this better than I could, but in a lot of programs that are perennial contenders, you know, they deal with maybe more problems due uh, to the expectation. But what are what have been some of your your bigger struggles, and you know, how did you go about dealing with them? Well, I think in dealing with them, um, you know, I like <laughs> I like to change the word problems to opportunities. And uh, Jake Olson, who's a long snapper for the USC Trojans, he's been on numerous media outlets and whatnot. You've probably 
seen him and many of your listeners have probably heard about him. He's got a book and, and whatnot. He was the first blind snapper or blind, you know, football player at the NCAA level. He's a graduate of Orange Lutheran. So I got to know him a little bit um, while he was at Orange Lutheran. And he's an unbelievable uh, speaker. And his biggest thing is every set back is a set up, you know, and I, and I've kind of taken that into everything that I do and that understand that set setbacks are, are, are temporary unless you make them permanent and, and that we're really looking for opportunities to, to grow through them. So I want to first change it from problems to opportunities. And then I think, you know, just some, some of those experiences that I've gone through, I mean, I've, this is my 20th year as a head coach. So I've had, I've had numerous different ones. I mean, I've had, you know, parents come after me. I've had parents threaten me. I've received, you know, death threats via anonymous letters and, you know, just about everything you can think of. Who knows? Something new will come tomorrow. But, you know, I, I've been through a lot of those problems. I think a couple of years ago um, is probably the biggest one for me that, that I can kind of give some more specifics to. And that was 2017. We went into the season number one in the country. We had 12 Division One players on our roster. And, uh, you know, about three months before the season started, we actually had some some discipline issues. We had some kids doing some, some inappropriate things on a, on a road trip we did in the fall where it wasn't really under the Orange Lutheran name, but we have kind of a travel team name that we take in the fall. And on a road trip, they made some poor decisions. And it just started a downhill spiral for that year. And we kind of – we never really got our grasp on it, um, I think – we had to make some difficult decisions from, from disciplining those kids and, and trying to create, um, you know, again, an opportunity for them to grow through them, but people don't, don't, don't always see eye to eye with how you discipline. I think that's the number one thing. And, and so some parents weren't happy. And then you combine that with having, you know, two or three division one guys that aren't getting much playing time. And it just was the ultimate equation for, for, for a blow up. You know, it was those two, um, science, you know, the, those two chemicals in science that don't mix. And, and we had that and it, it wasn't fun going to the field every day. I mean, you couldn't keep kids happy. I had a kid trying to tape record every talk that I had with the team, trying to catch me saying something I shouldn't be saying. I had a parent at the end of the year come in and say I was verbally and physically abusive, which, you know, for anyone that knows me, I think I'm, <laughs> I look at myself as the furthest from that. And uh, so it was really a challenging year for me. And I actually contemplated stepping away from coaching. I didn't know if I could handle it. And it, it, I was probably challenged, um, you know, as a coach, but more importantly, in my faith. And I think that that summer is really a huge turning point for me as a coach, because I, I turned to the Lord in everything that I did that summer and, and prayed like crazy and uh, just, you know, asked for the courage and uh, to to make the right decision, number one, but, but to get through it. And, and I'll tell you the last year and a half since that season ended almost two years now, it's been the most joy that I've had coaching in a long time, because I think it, it kind of brought me back down to as a coach, again, you want to have the successes on the field. And we were starting to have that. And I think, I think maybe myself and our coaches got a little too big for our bridges and we lost a little bit of that foundation that got us there. And so it was a nice grounding experience where, you know, the game humbles you. And we tell the kids that all the time. And I think we were humbled. I was definitely humbled as a coach in 2017. So that's that's probably the most recent and most, you know, 
accurate, detailed one I can give you, but it, it was it was definitely trying in my career. That's a that's a pretty cool story there of joy, you know, and not that you ever want to experience that again, but you know, a lot of times we've got to go through difficulties to really grasp with the joy. Yeah, without question. A step back it's you know, is always a step forward if you if you if you handle it the right way. There's no question about it. And sometimes a step back is the best thing to take that step forward. Yeah, that's super cool. So at the end of the day, coach, uh, you know, when you do reach that point where, where you're done, you know, what, what's your ultimate goal? What do you hope to accomplish? <laughs> For me personally, what I hope to accomplish is just that people look at our program and what I was able to accomplish as a coach, prepared guys for life. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing as a coach, but more importantly to me is that, you know, that I, that I was a good father and a good husband and, and you know, that people relied on me. I mean, that, that, that's it on my tombstone. You know, people always say, what do you want on your tombstone? I don't know exactly what that would say. I've never thought in detail, but I want people just to realize that, that I was someone that, that really put others first and, and was willing to do whatever it took to, to, to make my family happy and provide for my family. Um, and that's not financially, that's spiritually, that's, you know, morally, ethically, all those things that really matter. Well, I like to end every uh, interview with just letting letting the guests have the floor. And if you were speaking to young coaches listening, uh, what advice do you have for them? Well, first, first and foremost is always to grow. You know, we don't know everything. There's people out there that can help. And I think that if you become um, – really tunnel vision oriented, you're going to, you're going to struggle. And if you, and if you are willing to have an open mind and a growth mindset, as we say, um, you're going to, it's going to allow you to, to stay ahead, really listen to other people and really trust other people because you can't do this by yourself. The old saying that it takes an army, you know, um, or it takes a village is, is very important in coaching. I think that you have to develop a strong philosophy and what you believe in and how things should look and that you need to really communicate that with others. Uh, communication is the biggest piece. Uh, they understand how you feel and why you're doing something. And, and when you communicate and you put the trust and respect into other people, they're going to get on your train. And the more people you got on your train, the faster it's going to go down the hill and, you know, it's just going to help. So, so really develop a, a, a system, uh, a philosophy, if you will, that you feel is going to be successful in the big picture and then try to rally the troops around you because you're not going to be able to accomplish those things by yourself. So the more people you have behind you, supporting you, loving you, um, the easier it's going to be. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. You gave us a lot of, a lot of good wisdom there and, and a really a, just a good perspective you know, to get back to just the foundation of, of why we do what we do. Um, so thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Anything I can have the opportunity to participate in to grow our game or, you know, to help anybody else out. And I'm going to learn a lot from listening to all your podcasts, both in the past and in the future. So thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, well, good luck this spring and uh, go get them there in California. All right. Same to you. Take care. God bless. Thanks again for joining us on the show today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many coaches as possible with a word of encouragement. Never forget your job is important. God loves you and he has a plan for you. Continue to build tomorrow's leaders and stand firm in the faith.